Welcome to the DDI podcast, where we're on a mission to debunk and demystify the misconceptions surrounding the digital infrastructure sector and share the incredible stories of the people and the businesses transforming life as we know it through tech. I first met my guest today at one of the sector's key events, and through a joint love of podcasting, early talent and getting to know people, we quickly realized we had a lot in common. He, be he began his career as an M&E consultant in the building services sector and has spent the majority of his working life placing highly skilled candidates in roles across the digital infrastructure industry. Today, he not only runs one of the sector's leading recruitment firms, but has now been named the sector's top 10 influencers by Data Center Magazine, number three on that list, no less. I'm delighted to welcome Andy Davis, Director of DataX Connect, and the host of the Inside Data Center podcast as my guest for a discussion on the data center PR problem and what we can do to solve one of the sector's biggest issues, the talent challenge. Andy, I don't think I need to introduce yourself. Everybody knows your name these days and for the right reasons, which is only a good thing, of course. But for our, listener, for our listeners here, can you give us a quick intro and tell us about your double life as an influencer and head of one of the industry's leading recruitment companies? What an intro. Morning, Mark. Thanks Morning. for that. Appreciate it. It always makes me laugh when people say I'm an influencer because I don't ever treat myself like that. I, I just do what I'm passionate about and what I enjoy. And, and the results of that still amaze me to this day, but appreciate the, the shout out. Um, who am I? Andy Davis. As you said, I run DataX Connect, which is a data center recruitment organization specializing in recruit, recruiting people for the sector across the globe. I, off the back of that, a few years ago, I started getting more into the marketing and, and PR side of it. I started the Inside Data Center podcast nearly three years ago to the day, I believe it was July 2020, 140 odd episodes later. Wow. wow. Here today, which still amazes me. Um, also, you, the data center news newsletter, which goes out every Friday, which I think at the last count was around 11,000 subscribers. So that's why a lot of people know who I am, but I was simply started because I was passionate about it. No other reason. There was no method to my madness. <laughs> so no big PR stunt right at the beginning there, Andy. This is just pure passion coming through. Yeah, the podcast was you know, really on what we're talking about today. I was bored of having conversations with people and them asking me to sign NDAs for everything. And I just felt that they weren't necessary a lot of the time. And I thought, I wonder if I put a microphone in front of people, if they'll be a bit more open. And they were. And then I recorded five episodes at the start for See How It Goes. And let's say three years later, 142, I think it is, we're, we're still there, still recording. So yeah, it's a, it's a wild journey. Well, well, I'd love to reciprocate this at some point in the future with you. But let me let me ask you, let's get us kicked off here. Um, how did you get into the data center industry? And um, yeah, what, what really fascinates you about it? As with most people that I interview on my podcast, and I'm sure most people you know in the sector, I fell into it. I had no idea what a data center was. And back in 2006, 2007, when I first recruited for one. So going back, I started my career in recruitment. I did a degree in sports science, absolutely pointless, but I enjoyed football and, and like sport. That led me to a career in sales, which then led me to a career in recruitment. Started doing mechanical and electrical engineering in a recruitment perspective. And then in 2006, around that time, 
I started recruiting for a major new build data center in Basingstoke for a large general contractor. That was my first introduction to data centers. Um, obviously, then the global banking crash happened, which slowed down the sector significantly. And then my timelines are never great, but around 2016, 15, 16, people were starting to phone me up and going, do you still recruit in the data center space? And a lot of my clients had moved into some of the hyperscalers. They developed into higher levels within organizations. And obviously the cloud was really kicking off. Everybody was started looking for people. And that is how I really got back into it. And that's when it became a full-time job. You know, all I do now is data centers. And that's probably been for the last sort of seven or eight years. Prior to that, it was more of a cross-sector recruitment space. Um, and what I enjoy about it is. I love the people. I think that's yeah. what I always say. Like the people in this industry are amazing. So many people have helped me along the way. I mean, it's everybody I ask for help always happy to help. So you know, I love that element of it. The fascinating side of it is more the evolution and the evolving, the speed the sector works at. A lot of other industries that you can recruit for are quite static. You know, you're kind of doing the same thing over and over again. This sector evolves so quickly. It's uh, it's an exciting place to recruit and it's just an exciting sector to work in. It's, you never know what's coming next. So, Andy, I've picked something out there that I didn't know about you was your sports science and football. And I, I think what you have highlighted is that um, careers can take many twists and turns and pivoting from one thing to the other actually whilst can be quite daunting for some people actually launches you into something that you probably and i use this phrase a lot with some of my early careers you, you don't know what you don't know at the start of it right no exactly yeah sports science came about i was quite a decent footballer when i was younger and didn't want to get a job after college and got scholarship opportunities at universities and thought why not do it but you quickly realize in a, in a degree like that and this is again what i say to people that the careers in that small world especially at that point this is 23 years ago we're very limited you know the sports science was not a big thing back then it's obviously huge now but the careers were fairly limited the earnings are fairly limited and a lot of people that i were on my degree course ended up in sales it's uh and that i think is quite heavily linked to the sport element where you know you'll know from your sport as well that a lot of us were very competitive. We're resilient. You know, we've we've been through the mill quite a bit. If you if you're good at sport, and that yep. from a sales piece is really important. And you like winning, Andy, don't you? Well, that's it. I, I do like winning, and and sadly, what I've created there is three young children that also like winning. So we have a very ah. competitive household. I, I well, maybe we'll dig into that another time in terms of your competitiveness and who sits on that rostrum. But um. I guess let me let me just take us on maybe a little step further then because you you started to talk about things that fascinate you about the industry. There's always challenges, no matter what industry any of us work in, whether it's you know to your point earlier around sport or manufacturing, data centers. Um, what do you see as the top three affecting this industry in particular in data centers? Well, I took this when when I read this question was. Kind of what what are people talking to me about at the moment i always think I'm, I'm really lucky that i sit in the middle of so many different companies and hear so many different viewpoints the main three at the moment are supply chain still remains a significant challenge it's definitely getting easier but it's still top of a lot of people's list you know from a construction perspective from a build keep up with the scale the capacity demand it's a big big challenge to actually secure whatever it is they're trying to secure 
at the right time in the right place, etc. But it's definitely getting easier. That's one of them. Sustainability, you can't not talk about it. It's top of everybody's list. It, I, I think sustainability is too broad a term. It goes down so many different angles and avenues, but it whether it's power, water, you know, whatever it is, is it's top of pretty much everybody's list, I think, at the moment. And my third one would, for obvious reasons, be talent. If we don't have the people, we can't keep up with the demand. And if we can't keep up with the demand, the sector is going to stagnate. So it's a, a key challenge. And, and it does come up not just in my day job, but in, in the recruitment, uh, in the podcast world as well, as, as one of the top challenges that most CEOs are really scratching their head at at the moment is, is how can we solve it? Yeah, I th well, I, th I think um, yeah, in my short tenure here at uh, three months into this uh, industry, I think I'd I'd be synchronising with you on all three of those topics. In particular, the last two, I have to say, and and the first one is a particular challenge for me in my role. Actually, just around you know the way that we unlock some of the supply chain challenges for sure. Um, I do want to pick up just briefly though on the sustainability piece. Do you think how how can we get early talents to help us try and solve some of those problems? Because you know when I talk to some of our early talents in in my business, they um, they kind of want to solve some of these major challenges. Do you, do you see the same? Is it is it more important to um, people who are starting out in their careers than those that are maybe midway or the latter part? What, what's your what's your general feel for sustainability and how we could solve it with with people? I think it comes back to passion. I, I totally agree with your point. Younger people or early entry talent are really really passionate about. We'll, broad, we'll put it into a real broad term, saving the world, saving the planet. That is probably one of their number one drivers when looking for careers. They want to know the meaningfulness of the position. You know, what can I achieve with this? And it, a lot of it is linked to mm. sustainability. I think my view on it and my view on a lot, of, a lot of these aspects would be give them the opportunity, ask them you know, what would they do. I think what, and this is not applicable to data centers, this is careers in general. What we don't do enough, in my opinion, is ask people for their views. We, there's a lot of top-down you know, businesses where the, you know, we're going to do this, we'd like you to implement this. Whereas some of these younger generation, they're the future of, of whatever industry they're working in. And, and they, they know what they want to achieve. They're more passionate about it than a lot of us. That's the reality of it. And if we give them the opportunity to have impact and have you know, discussions around what they think we could be doing, I'm sure some amazing ideas would come up. And there's no doubt in my mind that the way that a lot of this will be solved will be from probably major tech advancements, which will come from people in their 20s, like a lot of them do. You know, where do the biggest tech organisations come from? They're all that level. They can see it. They see things differently to to the next generation up, whatever generation it's called these days. But the next generation up, we see things differently to them. So let's let them let them do it. I'm kind of all over what you're saying here. I think it's um it's a very important point, which is um, set the challenge and let them solve it. You know, we, we don't need to tell them what the challenge is and how to solve it and go and do it. I mean, we can get a robot or an AI or you know, chat GBT to sort that out. We need people to solve real issues. And I've been really impressed by some of the uh, early talents we have, in particular, when it comes to solving a challenge i mean you're absolutely right they think completely different and i was pleased to see more recently people talk about uh stem as an example in our industry i'm now pleased to hear things like steam so we've also included the arts as part of stem which actually is super important 
In particular, when I think about visualization of a data center or a factory, you know, these people are very creative and come up with some, what I would classify as wacky, others would classify as pure genius ideas to help resolve some of those major challenges. I'm sure you see the same, Andy. Yeah, 100%. And, and when you look at, obviously, the PR side of it, which I know we'll talk about, we, we what we do as an industry, and again, this applies across most industries, is we're trying to attract these younger people, but through our own methodologies and our own experiences. We don't ask them, how would we, how would you attract people of your generation? What do you think we need to be doing? Because again, they, they, they think differently and that's what you need to understand, you know, utilize their experience, their knowledge. It's not just because their entry level means they can offer anything less than anybody else. And it, it's getting into that mindset. And, and again, don't get me wrong, a lot of organizations do amazing work around this, but it is very much a, give them the opportunity and and they will come up with some great ideas. And, you know, the, the art side of it is, is a great point. Someone I was speaking to recently said, and this is true, you know, when we all first went to a data center, we couldn't find the door. It was a steel shed. You know, you had to phone somebody, I'm outside, I can't find the door. How do I get in? You, know, you didn't even know it was a data center. Whereas now, look at some of the amazing buildings that, that we're constructing, the architectural element of it. And if people see them as more than a shed which frustrates all of us if people see it as more than that and they see it as a the outside is appealing as well as what's happening inside you're only going to attract more people and get more exposure yeah i, I like that point actually um you know in particular when i think about biodiversity in the whole estate of uh of a data center we can start to really address some of those challenges um actually just before we move on to pr there is one thing you know when we talk about talent that there is a shortage there's there's lots of data out there suggests we can do certain things but where where and how can in, in your mind andy can we begin to engage and start to work with early talent to give them that visual of what their future could look like in this industry and i think this is massively linked to pr as well like, like i just said you know I, I, I joked um recently i saw a poll on LinkedIn asking people on LinkedIn what they think about recruiting through TikTok and obviously people that are on LinkedIn are our demographic and said I don't think it's a good idea and I thought well ask people on TikTok what they think because they're the ones you're trying to attract and, and I think a lot of it is is linked to that you know, the it's a huge challenge and what, what you have to understand as an industry as well is we're not alone every industry is having the same problem there's no industry out there that's sat there flooded with loads of entry-level talent saying oh we've got too much someone come and take it they're all out there trying to fight for the same people um so we have to make our industry attractive to them so why should they want to work in it you know what do we offer that other sectors don't i think a lot of it um, in my opinion goes back to storytelling and sharing examples and stories of and uh, uh, there's stories of individuals that create those role models that get some of those really amazing young people in our industry or entry people in our industry and, and highlight them tell them what they've achieved in the two three four years they've been in the sector and also tell stories about what we do I, i'm a big believer that if people understood what a data center actually does much more people would be positive about the industry but also would want to work for it you know if if they knew that data is being used to create vaccines or if they knew that data can help to you know change the world from that perspective they would be more excited than it's a shed full of servers and I'll take on two extremes but that's the reality of it so i think if we want to engage more entry-level talent 
we've got to get it down to their level or to their level down to the wrong word but to their level and start communicating with them and also get them involved you know get these young people involved in us trying to solve that challenge when you said earlier that they love challenges well there's a challenge for you you know how can we get more people like you into this industry and i'm sure they do a better job than a lot of us yeah, I think you're probably right on that point, hey. I mean, the um, you know, we were thinking about this um, the other day in our business, and and we were thinking, well, maybe the rhetoric just needs to change from not what we do, but why we do it. Yeah, it's it's the journey, isn't it? Because when you're looking at a career, you know, we're not a data center sector. We're we're a sector of so many different elements. So, and that journey goes from someone designing the building in an architectural practice to an engineer designing the engineering on the, the facility. And then you take, you've got a HR director sat over there who's running a, a global corporate organization. You've got a finance team, you've got customer service, you've got sales, you've got engineers, you've got project managers. You can't put that all into one message, can you? Come and join us in the data center sector. It's more like, we want project managers that can do this. Or are you an architect? That wants to design buildings that will change the world are you a, an engineer that wants to come up with a solution that could solve climate change whatever it might be it's breaking it down into little chunks and and, and as an overall piece we're we're a data center sector yep yeah and that's the that's the debunk isn't it is and apple did a great job at this didn't it ultimately they were selling well at the time awful computers but they, they moved into a world where um they were solving some of, or, or even creating things we didn't even know that were problems uh, to help us go and buy the iPhone 1, 2, 3, 10, 14, whatever the number is now, Andy. So I, I, I'm completely with you on this. There is an opportunity for us to move our thinking, I think, actually, perhaps it's not our thinking that we need. It's, uh, it's get a smart, smart group of people on and, and ask them how they would do it and what the wording and the, uh, and the art of selling this industry should be out to the wider audience um, but let's come on to um the pr challenge because this is um this is a real tough area i think for the industry right now but th there is some education to be done uh, and something by the way that you're doing some great work in to address but what's what's the main issue here uh, how do we raise our profile i think the main problem is we don't talk about it enough and that sounds very obvious i'm sure to a lot of people but it is the reality of it you know there's still there's so many more people doing it now. You know, when I started the podcast back in whenever it was 2020, there was only a couple of podcasts. You had like Data Center Hawk were doing one and um, a couple of others. Compass, I think, had one. But there was a few podcasts and now there's quite a lot, which I love. You know, I don't, you shouldn't see it as a challenge at all. It's like the more we do it, the better. That's what we're all trying to solve the same thing. And But I think in general, it's, it's talking about it more and getting our message to more people. And that involves going to schools, going to colleges, going to universities, you know, telling your friends what you do, talking to other businesses, collaborating with other businesses and other sectors. You know, how can we work together with the aerospace sector, for example, to attract more entry level talent? You know, take away the competition is a is a big thing. And pull the curtains, you know, it's not we were talking about it earlier. It's not a secret. But this sector is not a secret. It's obsessed with being a secret, but it's not. And a lot of the time I ask people, and I'm quite blunt about it, why can't you tell me that? And there's a lot of reasons sometimes why they can't. And we all understand that, you know, it's customers, et cetera. We get that point. But there's a lot, there's so much you can share. And the reality is everybody else knows what you're doing anyway. You know, I, I always joke about code names of projects. 
and I think I saw one the other day, which was a, it was an AWS project in Australia, and the the code name was Echidna, I think, or Echidna, something along those lines. And everybody knows that's an AWS project. It was in the industry, so who are we trying to hide it from? That's what I don't yeah. understand. You know, like people outside the industry, are, yeah, they they don't even see it. They don't care. It's people in the industry. There's a code. So. I think demystifying it as a whole helps from a PR perspective, because if we can talk more, if we can share more, again, like we were saying earlier, you know, if you can go into a data center and record it and have a video of it and share that, it's only going to help attract more people and, and increase the PR. And then I guess the other point on PR is the negative PR, isn't it? You know, how can we yeah. compete with negative PR? The only way you can compete is you're, you're ahead of them. You've got to be sharing your story before you're reacting to someone else's story. And another, what we see a lot is a major media organization will write something or show, you know, have a documentary on something that is negative. And we haven't had the opportunity or we haven't gone out of our way to actually share the positive. So then we're trying to defend ourselves against, you know, a story that's already written and people have already made their views. So there's a lot we can do. We just need, but, it, you know, my, real simple view is talk about it more share more yeah andy you've picked up on some really good points here that i, I do want to kind of pack up a little bit so you I, I think the the other topic or the other phraseology around this is how do we do it so our grand can understand it so make it really easy hey for people not in our industry but for those outside so if you said, well, data centers are pivotal to uh, banking, to shopping, uh, to online gaming, to your Netflix, to your Facebook, to your Twitter. If, if, if you demystify all that with those brands wrapped around it, then perhaps people would understand, oh, right, okay, well, so, um, so now I'm bought in, but what are you going to do about sustainability? How are you going to be more efficient? How are you going to you know, drive the world to better sustainability? Well, you can't do that without data, actually. So the minute we get data, then we can start to kind of decarbonize the whole infrastructure, network, everything else. And also, you know, I've been thinking more broadly about how do we help, you know, this industry procure its power by uh, the use of, you know, some of the offers that we have around PPAs as an example. But, um, you know, I, I think if we think broad, um, we can really start to attack this uh, both in industry and the PR targeting outside, make it really simple so people synchronize with it and get it the minute you start opening your mouth talking about data centers yeah 100 I, I totally agree with that point and that's something i've tried to do as well because i always say you know i'm not technical so i do have to ask questions that maybe some other people don't and, and i think that helps simplify some some terms but i recorded a podcast recently with um i think it's Jörg van vliet from agnostic and he said something which i thought was really valuable on this piece around you know, if if people knew what was happening inside the data center, they would be less wary of it being built in their backyard, so to speak. So if they knew that data center was working to try and produce a cure for cancer, you wouldn't mind. But if that data center was for TikTok or another social media platform, you probably would mind. So the messaging around what that facility does is 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 quite important. And that that point kind of made me think, like, you know, do we need to be a bit clearer about maybe who the customers are or what is actually happening in that facility when it is in an environment which is going to create public concern you know if this facility is in let's pick the nordics and in the, in the absolute middle of nowhere let's be honest nobody's really going to be that concerned but if that 
facility is, you know, in, in central Oslo, it's going to get some questions asked. So I think understanding that point from a, from the outside in is important as well. And um, I, I say another conversation I had recently was around the, um, the protesters you're getting at some of the events now in, in the data center sector. And somebody went out their way to actually, you know, talk to the protesters and find out what their, what their problem was. And it was exactly what you just said. It was a lack of understanding of what the facility is. It's just to, to a lot of people, it's just a big building uses a lot of water and uses all their power and they're not going to have any power in the evening. You know, that's, that's the main concern. But again, it's messaging. If we are, if they understand what we're trying to do or what we're doing, they won't be as concerned as they are right now. Yeah, I think it's a great point. I love that. I love the point around, um, you know, data being used to solve some major challenges, whether in healthcare or what. And then actually, I was just thinking, as you were mentioning that, I was thinking, well, actually, that's in the eye of the beholder as well, because the ultimate end user, you got 4 million kids who are on TikTok every day, and that TikTok, that building is used for TikTok, they're going to be really interested in that, uh, that keeps yeah. up and running. Eh? So it's just, a, it, it could lie in the eye of the beholder, I guess, is what I wanted to, to say just there. Um, I, I just, uh, I guess a couple of points, final points here. What advice... What advice are we, can we give or what would you give to those beginning their career in this industry? I want to say in tech, actually, but actually, from what you said earlier, you're absolutely right. This is about the sector, not necessarily technology. I think I, I look at career advice as quite broad as well. I'm, I'm lucky I go into schools. I get to talk to you know kids that are 13, 14, 15. And I say this a lot. If you don't do it, honestly, go and do it. You'll, you'll get so much reward from doing it. I think... You know, be curious is, is a bit of advice that a lot of people give me on, on the pod and it's something I'm 100% in, you know, if you're interested in it, find out more about it, you know, look into it, do your research, talk to people. And I think once you're in the, once you're in the sector, reach out to people and learn from them. Because one thing I know that if I've got a question that I don't understand, I can pick the phone up to so many people who will happily help me. And that's, they're not doing that just because it's me. They're doing it because they want to help people. And I think that's underestimated in your career. You know, a lot of us go into careers. We're in a little silo. We're in our organization. We're not necessarily learning from other companies, other people, et cetera. But find a mentor outside your business or reach out to people. There's so much you can do. And, and I've said this to organizations and I've spoke to companies and I've, you know, partner with other companies and get your people working with people from you know within your supply chain or get them understanding how other businesses operate as well. Because when you're entry level, it's so valuable to learn the whole aspect. And I think the main point I've learned from the podcast is that some of the most successful people in this industry have had quite a multifaceted career. Whether that is they came, you know, they left school at 14 and they, they ended up selling the business for multi-millions or they started life on the tools. They then went into sales. They then went into project delivery they then became a senior leadership you don't have to follow a linear path so try and get exposure to as many different aspects of the industry as you can as early as you can that will 100% help you develop a, a long-term career so it's probably not one piece of advice I probably um, went through about 10 but my main piece of advice would be talk to people reach out and you know learn from other people yeah, I picked up on two things there, Andy, that are really valuable, I think, and um, something, again, that we've been speaking about in our own business. Well, one is the power of networking. I think that's what you just said. More broadly, not just in your little um, micro team, but much broader 
across your business, but actually much broader across your industry. Find a way to go do that. And the, the other piece of advice I think you gave there, which um, resonated with me, was uh, don't be afraid of a parallel move. You know, a lot in our Exco right now, well, I came from a world which was um, robotics, software and automation. I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this world of data centers now. And I know I was speaking to one of my colleagues yesterday who's done five parallel moves at vice president level to get that exposure experience and to keep him interested as well, by the way. So um, I, I think that's a really fascinating piece of advice. And um, on that on that point as well, just quickly, because I'll, I'll forget yeah. to say this otherwise, like what that gives an organization is a massive positive to the organization as well as diversity of thought. Diversity of thinking can change your organization so much. You know, if we're silo with data center experts, all you get is the opinion of data center people. You know, there's nothing, not great, nothing wrong with it, sorry, but if you can bring some thought process in from somewhere else, it doesn't matter where it is, you get a different concept, a different view. And that is, uh, you know, I always say it, people who started Uber didn't drive taxis. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, I think I'm finding that out myself. I'm very similar to you, actually, Andy. I, I have to ask dumb questions because I don't know the damn industry at this moment in time. But but actually, it kind of can unlock, you know, different conversations that happen on maybe software, digital twin, AI in particular, augmented reality. So they all come up. You know, I'm a stupid, you know, automation guy, but maybe there are some there's some crossover points there. Hey, hey let's um, let's let's finish finish on a bit of future gazing. Uh, this is not my mystic Meg moment, but w- what do you think the next period? Then what's the next disruptive force that you see in our world, and um, and ha- how do you think that'll affect people in general, and um, and what we do as a business? I was pondering on this question and trying not to say the answer that I'm going to say because I think it's quite obvious. But generative AI has to be the biggest change that's coming. I I was trying to think of something else because, like many people, everybody's talking about it at the moment, and you're you know, you think like literally everyone is talking about it. But when you get to understand it and you get to see the impact that this can have on on every way of life, it's unbelievable. And I think at the moment, people don't really understand what it's going to do and how it's going to impact our, our lives. And I was I did a podcast on it recently that I haven't released yet. And you, know, you can go down the rabbit hole and what it what it can do. And it's it's quite amazing. And I was talking about simple things like when you look at attracting entry-level talent one thing that really annoys me is a lot of our job descriptions are aimed at one demographic of person so ai can now write you could ask ai you put your job description in ai and ask it to write it for a five-year-old and it will do it so ask it to write for write it for an 18 year old that lives in new york if that's who you're trying to attract it can do it and there's so many ways it can go it's obviously going to have a huge impact on the sector it already is a lot of conversations i'm having with operators are around developing new sites simply for AI or quantum computing, HPC world. And those data centers are not going to be in the markets that you expect. The latency is not as important. So that's going to suddenly open up loads of new regions into the into the world. So it's going to have a huge impact on the sector. But from a kind of tech and future perspective my advice is go and learn about generative ai you know it's it is going to change your world it's going to make your job easier if you use it in the right way and we'll need to understand it and my nine-year-old daughter was asking chat gpt to write her songs the other day you know she's nine they're doing it already imagine what they're going to be like when they're 18 crazy well that's me out of the industry then andy to be quite frank so um if nine-year-olds are onto it already that's brilliant to hear 
and, and um, you know, I've, I've, I've had multiple discussions on this whole topic around uh, AI. There's a lot of threat, um, but there's also so much opportunity. I've, I've heard it being used in healthcare already for people losing their sight, hearing, speech impediment, so many different things. So, yeah, it's going to, you're absolutely right. It's going to change the way we do things, I think. And, and it's exponential. This is not a linear pathway to 2030. This is, this is coming fast in the next 18 months. Yeah, and I think someone said recently, it might have been Elon Musk or it might have been somebody of that ilk. Yeah, this is the biggest thing since the internet. That's how big it is. You know, like think of how much the internet has changed our life. But if you go back, and I was I was trying to look back in my uh, crystal ball to when I was started my career and email had just come in. Because it's a gradual transition, you don't necessarily notice it as much. It kind of just happens that's what AI is going to do. AI is doing things now that you won't even know, won't even notice, but all of a sudden it will become part of your everyday life. So that's why I think now you're, now I'm a bit a bit older or a bit more mature, you kind of understand that it's going to have this impact. And the quicker you learn about it, get ahead of your competitors is the way I look at it. Start learning, start developing, and hopefully it can, like you say, there is a threat element to it. Um, I do agree with that. And it needs regulation, but the opportunities it can create. Uh, it blew my mind talking to someone about it for an hour. It was it was it's mind blowing what it can do. Well, I've um, I've learned a lot as I always do when I record these podcasts, Andy. So thank you for taking the time with me here today. We've talked about the data center sector. We've spoken about the things that uh, excite you about it. Maybe some of the challenges. We've spoken about some of the effects of externalities and how they're impacting on the data center and our role really as a as an ecosystem to help people understand not uh, just in the inner sanctum but a lot broader what we're doing how we're doing it, and why i think that's that's the important piece we've landed on here I, I really enjoyed the piece you said about um you know people starting out in their careers and maybe a couple of points for people to think about there and ai is uh is is fast encroaching or approaching us and we, uh, we we all need to get educated and embrace it. So thank you for all your uh, thoughts and insights today, Andy. And thanks for joining me on the podcast. Absolute pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Always good to chat. <laughs>